welcome to the Sleep Easy Anesthesia Podcast. My name is Francis. And I'm John. And today we will be discussing the valvular disorder of mitral regurgitation. When you are finished listening to an episode, please remember to take the survey included in the episode description and provide us with your feedback. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the Sleep Easy Anesthesia Podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing the valvular disorder of mitral regurgitation. As always, we will be providing the most crucial facts surrounding this topic and its management in 15 minutes or less. So Francis, let's get started. Is mitral regurgitation a rare disorder? John, it's actually one of the more common valvular diseases, and it affects about 2% of the U.S. population. Mitral regurge is usually accompanied by some degree of aortic stenosis. However, it can also be caused by papillary muscle dysfunction or the rupture of the cordae tendinae. So why would those factors cause blood to backflow? We'll take a second and think about what function the cordae tendinae have. They are the structures responsible for closing the mitral valve. So if they're not functioning properly, we have an incompetent mitral valve and blood will regurgitate from the left ventricle back to the left atrium. So what does that mean for our hemodynamics? Well, less blood is flowing forward out of the heart. So we see a decrease in cardiac output. Also, since blood is flowing backward into the left atrium, there's an increase in left atrial volume and therefore left atrial pressure. If blood flows even further back, it will eventually congest the pulmonary circulation. And the left atrium will enlarge in order to accommodate for this increase in volume. If a patient presents with a mix of mitral stenosis and regurge, the left atrial pressure will overload and will cause a significant increase in left atrial pressure, pulmonary hypertension, since blood flows back into pulmonary circulation, atrial fibrillation, and pulmonary edema. So how do we gauge the degree of disease and decrease stroke volume? Well, it depends mostly on three factors, the size of the mitral valve opening, the heart rate, which we will discuss in a bit as an important role in anesthesia management, and the pressure gradient between the left atrium and ventricle. And preoperatively, how do we diagnose and recognize patients with this condition? Well, during your physical assessment, you would hear a hollow systolic apical murmur with radiation to the axilla. If the patient's heart is enlarged, you may see this on an EKG and a chest x-ray. In terms of diagnosis, however, an echo, especially a 3D echo, will determine the severity and often the cause of the regurge. And a thrombus can be identified on an echo, usually on the left atrial appendage, which is a common spot for blood to collect and clot. A CT scan will effectively demonstrate severity and so will a cardiac cath if needed. If you have a pulmonary artery catheter, the presence of a V-wave illustrates the backward flow of blood through the left atrium and the size of the V-wave indicates the severity of regurgitation. Francis, if somebody is diagnosed with mitral regurgitation, what are the treatment options? So surgical correction is advised for symptomatic patients and intervention before the EF or ejection fraction drops below 60% may improve outcomes. Patients with an EF of less than 30%, however, 
do not experience improvement with surgery. Various surgeries such as mitral valve repairs, replacements, or placement of a mitra clip may be utilized to help these patients. A valve replacement being the least desired correction, but may be necessary. The mitra clip is a percutaneous treatment option, which is an especially favorable option in sicker patients who are at a higher risk for surgery. The clip is employed to decrease the mitral valve orifice. Pharmacologically, you can also use ACE inhibitors and beta blockers, which have been shown to improve functional status in symptomatic patients. And some patients may even benefit from biventricular pacing. And once we get back into the operating room, how do we manage these patients with mitral regurgitation during surgery? Well, we have two main goals. As we discussed before, these patients have a decreased cardiac output. So our first priority is to maintain left ventricular stroke volume. Also, we want to decrease the amount of blood that is regurgitated. We can achieve this by maintaining the heart rate at a normal or even slightly higher rate. This higher heart rate keeps blood pumping so that there is less opportunity for regurg. Bradycardia can be detrimental for these patients. So be ready to treat drops in heart rate and be cognizant, especially upon induction. Be careful to dose your induction agents in order to avoid a drop in heart rate or an increase in SVR. An increase in SVR will decrease cardiac output even further because the left ventricle will be pumping against more pressure and more blood will back up. In order to decrease afterload, you can consider giving a vasodilator such as nitroprusside, especially paired with an inotrope to increase contractility and improve cardiac output. So Francis, it sounds like in these patients, the main two things you want to avoid are bradycardia and an increase in SVR. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. And that's why a lot of practitioners may choose to use regional anesthesia to further decrease afterload. All right. So any special considerations with vent settings for these types of patients? In terms of ventilation, your settings should maintain near normal acid-base balance, and there should be adequate time between breaths to allow for venous return. Which speaking of venous return, you wanna make sure your patients are appropriately hydrated in order to maintain preload and thus cardiac output. If your patient has severe mitral regurg, the placement of a pulmonary artery catheter or TEE may be helpful in intraoperative management. Wow, that's some great information, Francis. Thank you for teaching us all about mitral regurgitation. No worries. Thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you gained some knowledgeable insight from this podcast. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Sleep Easy Anesthesia Podcast. Just a quick reminder to click on the survey link in the podcast description to provide us with your feedback. As always, we appreciate you joining us and look forward to catching you on our next episode of the Sleep Easy Anesthesia Podcast. Music